people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Ainge Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to me, solo episode. Haven't done one in a while. And I'm going to talk about culture shock. I'm going to give a working definition of culture shock, what I have gone through that I will constitute as culture shock, and how I'm dealing with it. I speak about how I can get into a negative headspace, but what I try to do to fight that off and deal with situations as is. And finally, I speak about why it's important and why I feel I will eventually find comfort in the uncomfortable. Hope you enjoy. This is Eleven Color Abroad. I went back and forth on airing this. Um, this will be aired <laughs> because I didn't know uh, one how many people wanted to listen to me. Kind of rants, not really, but also really talk about real things that expats go through, right? Those of us that decide to live abroad, quote unquote, expats. Um, and I'm speaking to you from La Fortuna. Just imagine a, a volcano, a cone-shaped volcano. I'm at a hotel here, um, and. Yeah, it's a cone-shaped volcano, very beautiful views. The mountainous regions of Costa Rica, about two and a half hours from where I live in San Jose, the province of San Jose. And it's a very beautiful place. I didn't want to go to the beach. I wanted to go more towards more nature and probably going to do hanging bridges and hot springs tomorrow and the rest of the weekend that I have. So anyway, just giving you a little, you know, trying to set, set, set the scene for you as I overlook this beautiful view and I'm doing this podcast <laughs> before I have my dinner. But anyways, here we go. So before we even get into culture shock, I'm going to talk about, I do want to give a, a working definition that I found online. I'm in Google, literally. So if you search in culture shock, the first thing you're going to come up with is this definition and I'll read it to you. So it says, culture shock is a sense of anxiety, depression, or confusion that results from being cut off from your familiar culture, environment, and norms when living in a foreign country or society. Those experiencing culture shock go through distinct phases of euphoria, discomfort, adjustment, and acceptance. So you kind of look at it like a, you know, like a curve that you know starts off like the honeymoon stage they talk about, goes down to like shitty phase, <laughs> then you adapt and then you accept. So think about that as a U curve. So yeah, so that's basically the the general phases of culture shock. I think obviously it, it, it varies from person to person, but the reason I'm having this episode is because I I don't want people to, to be under the impression that um, you know because living abroad is a beautiful thing, which it is, that people don't go through these very tough times while living abroad. And I think I want to dedicate an episode to this because I've been going through this. Just to be quite frank, it's not that. Oh, I want to talk about what other people go through. No, I'm go- I'm going through it. I've been going through it at obviously different levels of frustration. <laughs> so I just wanted to talk about that. So let me. Um, I'm going to give you a story to kind of explain how obvious culture shock can be and how not so obvious. So about a month ago, I went to the Caribbean coast of Limon. Uh, it's called Limon, the Caribbean coast. And I want to go there because we had, it was spring break time. So I want to go there for like five, six days. So anywho, so, you know, I get there. I, I book the hostel. I usually stay in hostels when I travel solo. Um, and because obviously it's cheaper, but sometimes I do hotels, you know, especially because of the pandemic, right? So it depends kind of my mood 
and what my goals are for these kinds of trips. So I booked the hostel because I'm like, you know, it'll be probably, probably nice to socialize with some people, whatever, mostly tourists, right? So I go to this hostel and from the jump, from Jump Street, I don't feel comfortable. And this is probably the first time in my life that I did not feel comfortable in a hostel. And I had one of those moments, as I usually have, where I reflect immediately on these feelings <laughs> as to why I did not feel comfortable. I was like, Angel, what's going on? You know, right? Like, what's, what the fuck is wrong? What's, what's wrong with you? Why are you feeling this way? So I didn't really understand. But, you know, it, the dorm was fine. The people there at the hostel were obviously all tourists, you know, Europeans, you know, a few Americans. And I've been in a hostel before since I've moved here at the beginning, you know, and I didn't feel this way. And I don't think it was the vibe of the hostel. I just think it was me. You know, I don't think it was the hostel or the people there. It was me. And I had to reflect on that. And I, and then what I did was I literally stayed there a night and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I kind of had kind of like the, you know, I don't want to be here. This is not where I want to be. So I booked the hotel that I've stayed at before. A little bit of more fancier hotel, probably a lot fancier than a hostel. Um, a little bit pricey, but I felt, you know what? I want to do this. You know, I'm going to splurge on myself, right? As, as they say. Um, so I was going to splurge on myself, you know, treat yourself. And I was going to do that. I was going to treat myself. So I decided to book that hotel. And once I booked that, I felt so much better. And obviously, you can talk about how it's a nicer hotel, right? Of course, you're going to feel better at a nicer amenity when it has nicer amenities. But I don't think that was the main reason why I felt uncomfortable at the hostel versus comfortable at the hotel because at the end of the day I ended up you know socializing with people at the hotel you know and I did it at the hostel and my thing is why did I want to socialize with people at the hostel and why did I want to socialize with people at the hotel and now that it's been a month removed I could kind of like reflect on this and kind of give you my answer as to why I think now that I'm in my second year here I've met many tourists <laughs> along the way you know, as obviously where you go in Costa Rica to like, you know, get away are the places that tourists also go. So I meet a lot of tourists along the way and, you know, they're fine conversations, but they're very fleeting, you know, you know, moments. Right. And I'm not looking for that anymore. I'm not looking for these very like, you know, it's just a different mindset. Right. When you come into vacation somewhere and I and now I live here. There's a different mindset, right? They want to, you know, probably the person that's traveling, you know, for a week or whatever, two weeks, they want to see everything all at once, right? And I'm not, you know, I've seen a lot of the things here already. Not that I've seen everything, but I've seen a lot of things that they want to see. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You should go check that out. But I kind of, I kind of become this role of like, you know, giving advice to people that are traveling, you know, that are here. And that's cool and all, like giving advice, but I don't want to be like a fucking tour guide to every you know human being that i encounter like that that's a very revolving door of kind of you know uh interaction <laughs> that i don't necessarily like anymore at the beginning i loved it i loved the intention that i got like oh my god you live in costa rica that's so amazing that's literally the reaction every time i get when people ask me when i tell them that i live here and they're like traveling like oh my god so cool costa rica oh my god, oh my god. And like that was cool, right? So like, yeah, I'm a dope, I'm a dope guy, I'm a dope motherfucker, right? Like, <laughs> I live in Costa Rica, right? And of course, they're mostly Americans or whatever they speak English, so we can relate and and communicate very easily. So they view that as a cool thing. I view it as a cool thing, but it was very fleeting. And now that I'm in my second year here, you know, and trying to establish some kind of roots, right? 
now, now that I'm, you know, almost two years here, it's a different thing that I'm looking for. I'm looking for more long-lasting, you know, relationships with people. So usually those relationships that you get with people are with other expats or locals. So while I was there, right, obviously at the, at the hotel, you know, I was very, you know, I was meeting people. I've met somebody that was, that was already living um, in uh, Costa Rica. I met him way before the beginning of the pandemic, and we met, we met up again. Really cool dude. He's American. And, you know, had a good chat. He's a little bit older than me, but, you know, great chat. Met somebody else, another person that's living um, in Costa Rica for, for a few months or, or longer. And it was just a different vibe to have these conversations because they were living there. You know what I mean? Like, they decided, I'm going to live in Costa Rica. So that permanence in a kind of way made me feel more open to have these conversations with people. Not like what I'm telling you right now, but just normal everyday conversations. Not go see this, go see that. Oh my God, I was just here. I was just there. You know what I mean? Like that's not normal day to day. My day to day is not seeing a volcano every day that I'm here, right? So because they live there, they were living in Costa Rica already and were expats or whatever you want to call them, they had a day-to-day experience, right? So we can have like normal conversations. So I guess the culture shock that I guess I'm referring to is the fact that I was in this, this phase of not wanting to interact with tourists anymore because they viewed me as a local. The tourists viewed me as a local, right? And But then when I'd speak to a local... If you may, as a tourist. So where the culture shock comes in is when I have conversations with locals, right? And most locals that I interact with are the workers here. That's kind of the conundrum that I'm in. I'm not a local, right? Because, you know, I live here, but, you know, temporarily speaking. Um, but I'm not a tourist because I live here, temporarily speaking. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm here in my second year. I will be here for three years. I'm no longer in tourist mode here. I live a very normal life here. While, of course, seeing the, you know, the beautiful thing here and there, as with most people that live anywhere around the world, right? So I'm in the middle of when I speak to a tourist, I don't connect with them because they're on tourist mode. I live here and it's very fleeting, kind of, you know, and very superficial interactions. And that kind of bugs me to have those interactions all the time. I think they're okay in moderation, but I don't want to have, I, that's not what I want my communication to be with whenever I travel anywhere. Um, and then two, when I interact with locals, they view me as a tourist. Because again, when I, tra- when I, when I travel solo here, the locals are usually the workers, right? So when I, at this hotel that I was staying at, the locals were there working at the bar. But we had a great conversation. But again, it's a different, the, you know, it's a, di- it's a different dynamic. They're not just chilling there at the, at the hotel. They're working. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm being a patron and they're, you know, they're giving me good service, right? So it's a different dynamic. And it, it throws me off, honestly. Because here I am as a as a American, but that is, has a Latino heritage. And I can't relate to either of the two. Or I can't connect with either of the two. One, that I really don't want to connect with anymore, which is the tourist. And two... I want to connect with the locals, but there's a there's a gap there, and it's not like every local that I meet is a is a is a work is working right at the places that I'm at, but I feel there's a kind of um, I don't want to say there's not a, they're not open to me. I think they're very friendly people, Costa Ricans, but I, I put it this way: 
I think about me being back in New York. If I'm in New York City and I meet lots of transplants, which I did while I was living back in New York, you know, like, all right, you're cool. You know, you're living here for like a year or two. You know, you move to New York to, you know, whatever, get your dream job. Like, that's cool. But my dynamic with you is going to look very different than my, than my dynamic with my work friends or my childhood friends or friends that, you know, I've known, you know, whatever. Like I said, known for my entire life, childhood friends, work friends, whatever, right? Friends of friends. That dynamic looks different compared to me meeting a transplant. At least that's the way I kind of view it from that perspective here now. If I'm a local here in Costa Rica, right, if I'm a tico or a tica, as they call them here, the locals, why would you invest in someone that's going to be here temporarily? And I'm talking about any kind of relationship, friendship, dating-wise. What, what, what incentive do you have to invest in, in that person? And I had this conversation, you know, friends of mine kind of, <laughs> one of my friends, she knows who she is, jokes with me saying that I, that I always go deep into conversations. And that's not, that's not really my intention, but these are, when you live alone, you get to think about these things a lot. And I, so I get to think about these things and reflect on these things a lot. So other expats that I know. So basically what I'm trying to say is that my, my group of friends that I have are all expats. 99% besides my one neighbor who's a local, <laughs> they're all expats. And they're all, of course, if they're expats, they're all my colleagues, right? I don't have any, any friendships outside of my job. And I would say that's the vast majority of the expats that I work with as well. I would say they have the same kind of situation. I can't speak for all of them, but I would say the majority of them, given my interactions with them, I would say they're in a similar boat. They hang around other expats. And they're part of the expat bubble. And you might ask, why is that? Well, based on things I just said, right, in my opinion, it's the fact that other expats understand your situation. Locals don't know what it's like to be an expat. Tourists also don't know what it's like to might not know what it's like to be an expat, right? So you're in this very niche kind of group where you living somewhere temporarily, but yet you don't want to just talk to people that are coming here for a week, right? You want to engage with the community. You want to kind of set you know put some roots down. And the way that I've noticed that people have put down roots is by being in relationships with people. I think that's the most easiest way to do that. I'm not in a relationship. Um, so being that I live here alone and I'm single, that adds a layer of difficulty, right? Because if let's say I have friends that are that they're, you know, their significant others are are other expats, right? There's a couple that I know that, you know, she dates a local, whatever. But, you know, the vast majority are other people that date expats. And if they're dating a local, they live here and they're gonna be here permanently. You know what I mean? So again, going back to building relationships and things like that, why would a local invest in you as an individual if, she know, if he or she knows you're going to leave? Unless they want to leave with you, right? Especially if, you, if your plan as an expat is not to stay wherever you are. And that's the other thing about being an expat. is a kind of nomadic lifestyle. Well, it's not going to be the first place you go abroad you stay. That happens, but it's more the norm that you go somewhere for two years, you go somewhere else for two years, then you go somewhere else, or then you do two years and you go back home. So you're in this very, again, niche bubble where your interactions, in my opinion, are not as dynamic as I would like them to be. I can't speak for other expats. I'm sure they probably, they might have difference of opinion, but this is my perspective. My relationships with individuals here are not as, nowhere near as dynamic as they were back home, right? My friends back home were my work friends, my childhood friends, my friends of friends, 
and my family, obviously, right? The people, people that I interact with. That was my social group. I don't have family here. My friends happen to be my colleagues and only my colleagues. And I have one neighbor that's a local that I'm, that I'm cool with. And that's it. And this is not for you to be like, you know, oh, angel. That's, like, that's not the point of this. Because <laughs> that's not even how I feel about it, really. I don't feel like, oh, woe is me. I don't even feel like that. I just think it's, it's difficult. You know, it's, it's a growing pain. It's, again, the culture shock of where I'm in the middle of not belonging to groups that I speak to besides other expats, right? Of not understanding still. And another thing I want to talk about this, and this might be something that people don't think about. Just because I speak Spanish and I have, you know, I grew up in a, in a Latino cultural household doesn't mean that therefore I know the cultural norms of Costa Rica. Like, yes, there are very things that are similar, but there's still things that are different in Costa Rica. Um, and I don't know what it's like to be Costa Rican, right? I'm not a Costa Rican. Um, I won't ever be a Costa Rican, right? And I'm still getting adjusted to the norms of Costa Rica. And that's just in, you know, just conversations with other Costa Ricans. Um, for example, I'll just give you one, I guess, you know, culture shock thing with me. Costa Ricans, from my experience, are not very direct people. I'm pretty direct. I don't really beat around the bush too much when it comes to just any any conversation. I kind of say how what I feel, what it, what I think it is, you know, the situation. And I feel Costa Ricans beat around the bush a lot. And I think it's, it's because they want to be very polite versus, as you guys know, New Yorkers. New Yorkers can become off as abrasive. So maybe that's, that's the culture shock right there, right? I think New Yorkers, maybe Americans in general, are a little bit more abrasive than Costa Ricans are. They're more a lot more polite, I would say, probably. And the beat around the bush. But to me, that's a negative to me. Because again, the difference of culture. For me, it's a negative, even though it's just different, right? So, but those are like little things that kind of bother me every now and then, you know. Um, but these are things that I have to deal with, right? And every expat deals with in some way or the other. And I guess I'm saying this because, you know, it's not it's not like a, a warning, like don't move abroad. It's more like don't think because one, oh, again, Costa Rica... All right, it's in the Western Hemisphere. Oh, I know the language. You know, I look Costa Rican. That's not gonna make you escape cultural norms that you that you're gonna deal with. Uh, escape the culture shock, because you're gonna deal with the culture shock. I'm dealing with it, right? And again, it varies from person to person, depending on their own experiences and their own, their own upbringing. So I guess I just want to say that to not, you know, I don't. I never want to paint a picture of like, oh my God, living abroad is the most amazing thing on planet Earth. Like it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I really do. I'm like, I'm not going home yet, <laughs> you know, um, because I'm in a master's program. But, <laughs> but um, you know, it comes with a lot of growing pains. And I don't know if I, if I think my guests speak about that a lot, but I really want to uh, dive into this. And I don't know how much more I can go into it, but, you know, I, I think that I would say that most expats, and I think also the country you move to plays a factor. You know, I'm coming from a from a place in New York that's eight million people to a country that's five million people in total, and where I live is like three hundred thousand <laughs> in San Jose, right? So it's um, you know, we we're talking about completely different. Uh, and even speaking to uh someone here today at the hotel, she's like, "You're living in the antithesis of Co of New York being Costa Rica," and it's very true. It's night and day, New York and Costa Rica. Um, so that's still I'm still adjusting to that. It's really difficult. And when you add a pandemic, you know, multiply that times 10. It's a very, 
it's a it's not an easy thing to adjust to something you've never experienced before. Even you know, you know, you're year one, you know, year two, right? You would think I would think that oh, I'm gonna adjust more because I'm in year two, right? Like oh, it's, it should be a lot easier now, but it hasn't necessarily been that way. I can't necessarily say that I've adjusted so much better in year two than year one. And I think the pandemic does play a big factor. I'm not going to lie about that. But I think it's also just me and, you know, what I'm bringing, what my experiences are and what I bring to the table. So basically, if I was to look at, at this chart, I have to think where I'm at. Am I in the honeymoon stage? Am I in the uncertainty, doubt stage? Am I adaptation or am I acceptance? Definitely not acceptance. I would say that for a fact. I accept other things more than others, right? <laughs> of course. But I would definitely say I'm not in the honeymoon stage. I would say I'm in between uncertainty and doubt into adaptation, I would say. Because, uh, again, there's certain things that I'm still adapting to, still. And this is the other thing I want to, I guess, warn you about if you're thinking about moving abroad. It's very easy to get very negative. It is so easy to get extremely negative when things go awry, when things go wrong, when you're abroad. Because you automatically think these things will not happen when you're back home. And some of it can have more credence than other situations, right? Like it could have, it could be true that some of the things that I'm going through personally, I might not be going through in New York. That could be true, you know, I think with some things that is very true. Other things, maybe not. But the point being, it's very easy to, to, to dwell on that and to be like, if I was in New York, this would not be like this. And I had to fight those feelings of not going to the headspace. That's a very negative and kind of, you know, defeatist headspace and mindset to be in, where every situation you com you always compare to what's going on back home or what you think would happen if you were back home in this situation. And if you're going to live abroad for any amount of time, be it a year, two years, you can't do that because you're not really going to, you're not, you're never going to really adapt. Like right now, if I, if I was to leave tomorrow, I would not have fully adapted to Costa Rica. And I might not ever, right? I might not ever fully adapt to Costa Rica. But the point being is that you got to give yourself time. And for others, it might come quicker, right? Like this, these stages, these, you know, this U-curve, it might happen quicker for others. You know, it, it varies. Like I keep saying, it's different for every individual. But for me, it's kind of, it kind of, you know, it's like a pendulum, right? It kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes I feel like, wow, I'm living here, you know, it's a normal day to day, you know, I, I, I love it, you know, it's cool, everything's chill. And some days I hate it. I'm not going to lie. Some days I hate it. And that's normal for, you know, wherever you are, right? Sometimes you hate New York, like I, you know, sometimes you, I hate New York City, sometimes I love it, right? Love, hate relationship. It's the same thing when you live abroad. Sometimes you hate what's going on or a situation that you might be in or, or, or whatever, circumstances. And sometimes you love it. Like right now, it's very easy for me to say that I love Costa Rica as I look at a volcano, right? <laughs> so that every day you can see a volcano, right? So those are the moments you kind of, you know, you kind of give yourself a reset to remind yourself how lucky I am, how fortunate you are to be doing what you're doing. But it is a battle. 100% it is a battle to fight off those negative, that negative mindset. And it's not to say that to have these thoughts is a bad thing. And I'm very big on that. I was on another podcast where I spoke about this. Own your feelings. And that's why I'm like, that's why I feel it's important for me to air this episode for others that might feel similarly that are abroad or for those that are thinking about moving abroad. Um, is that own those feelings of discomfort. Like what I can't do right now is say, oh, I'm here looking at a volcano, so all my problems go away all of a sudden, or these feelings go away. They don't. They're still with me. 
and I address them in the way that I choose to address them, right? Whether it is through this podcast or, you know, talking to people about it that understand what I'm going through, like other expats, for example. But I just want to say that it's very important to own those feelings. You know, you can't, wherever you go abroad, you can't just do all the fun things every single day. You can't just go to a waterfall here in Costa Rica every day. You can't, you know, you, especially, you know, if you have a job, obviously, right? If you retire, it might be different, but, you know, you got a job, you do regular day-to-day stuff like every other person. Um, so it's basically, you know, you go, basically you go through the motions. So right now I would say I'm going through the motions, especially as being the end of the year, I'm going through the motions a little bit and, you know, it's stressful teaching during the pandemic. That's another whole nother episode. Um, and you know, I'm doing this master's program, which I'm doing well and thankfully that's a whole nother episode, (laughs) but you know, it, it's still tough. It's still very, very tough. I miss my family all the time. All the time, you know? So it's not like, yeah, I, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, I understand that, that I'm very fortunate to be living abroad and, you know, doing what I'm doing. But you face these battles a lot. And especially when you're going through it alone, you, that's all you got. All you have are your thoughts when you're going through it alone. You know, it's different when you have a, when, you know, like I know my friends that, have, that are couples, you know, you could... You don't go through it alone when you did when you when you when you're with someone else. So you have a little bit of support system, you know what I mean? But when you're on your own and you're an expat, it's a completely different ballgame. And that's why it's very going back to what I my theory, if you might have heard my episode on expat couple, that's why it's very common for expats to build relationships very, very quickly and strong relationships quickly when they go abroad. Because it is hard to just deal with these feelings on your own. You want to develop, you want to have your tribe. So that's why you have expats that date within, you know, their own bubble. I don't do that. Um, but, you know, they date, within, they date within their own friend bubble, which is totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But that's what you do. And you hold on to that person. You hold on to the person that, you know, that you might be attracted to in, a, in, a, in, a, in an expat bubble. And, you know, because you want somebody to be with you throughout this difficult process. Right. But when you're on your own, right, you got, like, I have my own apartment. First time I've ever lived on my own, right, my own apartment. You know, I'm here by myself. My family's not here, right? And your only relationships are your colleagues. It is very, very, and I'm not a person also. I don't like to just put, I don't put my problems on anybody else. I deal with a lot of things internally and through my own self-talk, right? Because it's not like I've never faced adversity before, right? This is a different kind of adversity. But even with this, I deal with it on my own. I'm not going to put this problem on another expat because they're probably going through it themselves. But I do think it's helpful to talk about it, talk through it, you know. And so that's why I'm big on dealing with these things on my own because I'm, you know, I'm independent. I like, I like the fact that I'm independent. You know, I, I, I don't like adversity. Who does, right? But I know I'm going to grow from, the, from this experience and from, this, from these moments, right, of uh, culture shock and, you know, uh, and uh, discomfort, you know. Being uncomfortable. So in closing, I guess, I don't, you know, I could go on forever about this, but, you know, I've got to go eat dinner. But <laughs> and enjoy where I'm at, you know, for the little time that I'm going to be here as far as this volcano or whatever, um, you know, is, is not easy. Living abroad is not easy at all. And I don't think that most of you listening thought it was easy, but I do think when you look at it like Instagram or social media, it could be, and I, you know, it could be portrayed that way. And I'm not gonna lie, I probably post, you know, a million beautiful pictures on my Instagram page, you know, and it's like, oh my god, this guy living the dream life. 
you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, as they say. I like what I'm doing. I'm glad that I made the decision, but it comes with rough patches along the way. It definitely does. And hopefully I give you some insight as far as what I'm currently going through and what I will continue to go through until I reach that adaptation stage, right? As far as the, you know, culture shock scale is concerned and then to acceptance. And again, it's a pendulum. It swings back and forth. Some days are better than others, but it definitely is a challenge. And especially when you're on your own. That's, that's kind of the beauty of it and the, the shitty part of it. Because it would be nice to be able to discuss these things every day with someone, right? A significant other. But I don't have that. Again, that's not, woe is me. That's not the point of it, you know. Some of it is by choice, some of it is not. <laughs> um, it's more like, but the beauty of it is that, you're, that dealing with it on your own is it falls on you. And you, these thoughts are your own. And the, the energy you put out there is your own. And so I can choose to deal with it very negatively in a very negative way, which I have. I'm going to be honest, I have. Or I can deal with it as it is. And that's what I'm trying to do more of. Deal with the situation as it is. Don't make it worse. Don't put this, don't, don't have a rain cloud following you everywhere you go, you know, throughout your life, basically. So that's the way I try to deal with when, when I deal with difficult situations. It's very easy for me to get negative, but I have to remind myself, uh, to, you know, to kind of take it easy. Take a chill pill. You know, be kinder to yourself. Give yourself time to adjust because you're not going to, I mean, it's rare that people adjust to a country in a year and a half. They're like, yeah, I feel like I'm home. No, it's not the case <laughs> when you're living abroad. So that's what I would say. I would say if you're going to live abroad, if you're living abroad, hope this this helps you and be kinder to yourself. And I'm saying that not as a lecture. I'm speaking to myself as well as I say that. It's very important to be kind to yourself when you're going through difficult situation especially when it comes to culture shock when you're dealing with the unfamiliar but in order to be comfortable you have to deal with the uncomfortable you have to find comfort in the uncomfortable and that's where i'm at and i know i'll get there not with everything but i know eventually if i work at it right that's thing you got to put the work in i will get to the place where the uncomfortable becomes comfortable I hope you enjoyed that episode with me. <laughs> Again, I, when I do solo episodes, I don't want to say too much more. You heard me talk for 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, I you know, this is, this is these are real things. And I, one thing about me in this podcast is I try to be authentic. I don't want to put on this fake, you know, kind of, oh my God, everything's amazing. And not talk about real things and real issues that I go through and that I know for a fact others go through as well. But differently, obviously, not the same situations, but different. So hopefully that helps any of you, you know, if you want to know more about, you know, the things I think about Angel's Brain <laughs> and uh, just, you know, the expat life and what that's like. But yeah, hope you enjoyed that. And as always, uh, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. And don't forget to follow my Instagram page at Abroad. See you next week. This is Color Abroad. Peace.